everyone, welcome to episode 9 of the Meet Business Women Masterclass podcast. We celebrated International Women's Day by hosting two panel sessions, one in Australia and New Zealand and the other in the UK and Ireland. So episode 8 and 9 of our podcast are dedicated to these panels. The online panel sessions were a chance to hear from women with varying job roles and levels of seniority to discover how we can embrace our differences to empower ourselves in our career. We asked four brilliant leaders working in the Irish and UK meat sector to give us their views on working in male-dominated industries, how and when to step up to leadership, creating an inclusive work culture, and they gave us some brilliant takeaways and mantras to live by. So let's meet the panel. Joe Ormrod is president of the BU Paper Division at Caveris. Jackie Lanham is Chief People and Culture Officer for Hilton Foods. We also welcomed our Want to Watch winners from 2022, Rebecca Gilligan, Head of Project Management at ABP Ireland of Poland, and Olivia Nicholson, Agricultural Manager at Marks & Spencer. The panel was hosted by leader, speaker and coach Carol Glover, and is also available, as usual, to watch back on Zoom. Just log on to your members portal. Now that's pretty appropriate to where I am. I'm in the Isle of Man. I mean, some of you know that. I always talk about it. And something you absolutely will not know about the Isle of Man is it was the first place in the world to give women the vote in 1881. Uh, It was an accident of of, um, legislation, but nonetheless it happened. And the other even incredibly bizarre fact of a similar era was that Emmeline Pankhurst's mother was a lady called Sophia Goulden, who was from Mackled in the Isle of Man. So we've obviously had quite a history of uh, campaigning lunatic women from this island, and long may it continue. Um, And we've got some sunshine today, which is great. So one of the first things I just wanted to say, and we all know this, so today I wanted us to smile and celebrate those who've gone before, because actually International Women's Day isn't today, it's every day. Every day we can make a difference to the lives of women and everybody around us. And so celebrating today to me was about thinking about people who've made it happen for us. I'd like to um, introduce our panellists today who very bravely are here for some questions that they have no idea what they're going to be, really. So we've got Jackie, Joe, Rebecca and Olivia. Welcome. Welcome to all of you. And what I'm branding this as as in my head, really, is the power of embracing differences chat show. So hopefully we'll have a bit of a chat about some of these issues. We're going to have um, some questions. We're then going to have if you're in the panel and you've got something you want. Sorry, if you're in the audience and you want to ask something, we possibly won't get to it in the session, but we might at the end. We're going to have questions. We're going to let each of um, our panelists, then uh, our chat show guests sorry, off-brand there, Um, (laughs) our chat show guests uh, think about what they take out is and what they've noticed, particularly in the questioning and the answers. I'll do a little bit at the end, and if we've got time for questions, we'll answer them. And if we haven't, we've agreed that we'll share them out and get answers back so that you all get answers. So how does that sound? Is that a thumbs up from everybody as a format? Yes? Hope it's a thumbs up from the panellists. Um, I'd like to thank Nicola, Debbie, Michelle, Amy, Kerry and Kelly for questions, all of which have been included today. And so in the best traditions of chat shows and mastermind, obviously, um, we'll start with Rebecca. And Rebecca, the question I'm going to ask all of you is what's your number one piece of advice for females starting out in male orientated industries? Welcome, everybody. Thanks, Carol. Um, yeah, I think 
for me, the very first thing that I would say is don't give up. Um, you know, working in a male orientated environment can be, you know, come with its challenges, of course. But I think the important message is don't give up. Nothing grows in your comfort zone. And I would just say, you know, keep it small and consistent in everything that you do. Brilliant. Great. Um, how about you, Jackie? Yeah, that's a, a, a great question, and I think it can be applied in, in many industries, but for me, the biggest things are around how you establish your networks, how you're curious, and, and how you actively listen. And I think going into more of a male-dominated industry, perhaps one you don't have uh, as much experience in, it's really important to look out for those best-in-class veterans and buddies that you can... Um, ally with and I guess I'm being a bit naughty because I'm doing more than one aren't I Carol can I have one more you can do whatever you like thank you um I think my other one is and then be generous yourself and pay it forward so when you see other people joining your your industry your business make sure you reach out to them and and give them the welcome that that I hope that you will have received in, in joining your own business great Olivia over to you now yeah, I probably um, echo a bit of what Jackie's saying. I think stakeholder mapping has been really crucial for me being new into the industry, but also into a corporate retail environment. Having that stakeholder map, knowing who I want to influence in the next 12 months, male or female, actually having them as mentors and kind of aligning myself to them has really helped. And I think just one more to add, if I was new to the industry, which I'm not from an agricultural background, is actually just not being scared to say an idea. It might be completely common sense to you but from the outside in it could be a really simple solution that makes all the difference so yeah just be confident in that and what in what you're thinking great thank you and now you joe um thanks carol um probably just i can have two actually one is just echoing what rebecca said and that's just just be yourself always be consistent in terms of how you operate on a daily basis and whatever I say to any of the ladies in our organisation is, is just don't try and play the politics because it never works. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen women fall foul of it. And if you're consistent, true to yourself, and actually you're better than you think you are. I think as women, we have a huge lack of confidence and we compare ourselves to men all the time. But we're not men, we're women and we're different and we're different for a reason. Um, and, and the other thing I'd say is particularly around this buddy up piece is find somebody that will mentor you and buddy you um, and really just use that networking. I don't think you appreciate when you're younger how important networking is. And as you get older, it's a real effort. And sometimes women struggle with networking because we don't have a natural link like a man. A man will always talk about football. So just find a natural link that you can hook onto a woman that you've never met before. And that could be something as simple as, I like the colour of your top, where did you get it from? You know, just simple ways to approach people, because I think we're also sometimes a little bit fearful of doing that as well. Um, I, that's that's great. And in fact, I've got some actually I wasn't going to do this, but um, what we've demonstrated when I asked, did you all notice that I asked what's your number one piece of advice and hardly anyone gave one? They gave more. <laughs> So that's the first thing I want to say that's really important. Listen to the question, but answer it however you want, because that's how it is. And if you play by the rules, you'll only ever learn within the rules. And we talked there about the zones that we operate in, didn't we? Now, behind me, I was looking before we could have a disaster here because this usually never works when I freestyle. But um, anyone, if you haven't read this book, 
What has just been said really triggered this book for me. This is one of my favouritest books, favouritest books ever. Think Again by Adam Grant, who's a wonderful guy that I follow a lot. But in here is a concept called confident humility. And what we've had illustrated by some of those answers is confident humility. You know, I went to Halfords and I know nothing about cars. So I had to make a pal out of everybody who knew about cars to succeed. And they were all men. There were no women. And I made pals out of them all. And I asked them questions and initially it amused them. But after a while, my questioning got them to think differently. And therefore, you can have influence by the questions you ask. And that's really important. So that really triggered me there. And then there were three. I like my C words. I'm big on my C words these days, probably because I'm called Carol. But um, there were three words there. Curious. Curious to me is, you know, think about questioning. And by the way, I'm an absolute, this is, this is almost the best of advice for your future I can give you. I am now an avid fan and user of ChatGPT. For someone who's curious, it is the best thing that I absolutely do at the moment to increase my skill set. Not the best thing I do full stop, but to increase my skill set. So for someone who's curious, the amount of help I can get from that is, is immense. Be consistent as well, because people want to understand, even if you want to be authentic and me being consistent as Carol is quite hard because I'm all, you know, all over the place doing all sorts of things that I love. But being consistent really matters. But also the number one issue that women who I coach one to one present as a problem is a lack of confidence. That is probably the biggest tip that I would give you. So don't fake it till you make it. That, that horrible social media phrase, because it doesn't work. Do the work, ask the questions, and get your own posse around you. And quite often the posse will be the buddying of people. Jackie talked before to me, before we came on, about the importance of the people who, the men, the men who can be your advocates. I've talked before that I realised that many of the men who were my greatest advocates were older and had daughters and actually didn't treat me as a daughter, but treated me as someone who was a long way from home, didn't have a dad and wanted to try and help me do better. So I think we've got some amazing advice there. Now, the next question and um, the next two questions, the next one question, these are going to be for Joe and Jackie. So um, I'll, I'll let you know what the question is now. Uh, you're both people who've worked in, in, in this industry and the related industries for a long time. And that's why I wanted to ask you this question. How do you think society's perception of women in male orientated industries has changed over the years? And what can be done to improve it more now? What more can be done? So that's for Joe first. Oh, um, I think men's perception of women has changed in that I do think there is a genuine acknowledgement now that women add huge value to an organisation um, and I, I genuinely think there would be an acknowledgement that women do think differently uh, to men um, and they bring a, a different kind of, of skill set and more of a perceptive skill set particularly around some of the emotional parts of an organisation and they notice the obvious things um, I, I think in terms of um, where, where we can improve the industry, I, I mean, I, I'm all about sort of visible felt leadership, 
lead by example. And I think the more women, I guess I am a fan of International Women's Day, but then I also think, well, why do we need to have an International Mm -hmm. Women's Day? Because, you know, and I deliberately haven't put purple on today because why do I need to wear purple on International Women's Day? I, I think the more as an industry that we can just demonstrate the value of women, um, talk about it in the industry, um, you know, and there's some powerful tools out there like social media to demonstrate the diversity of organisations. I think we will just continue to improve. But for me, I would like like to think it more about necessarily just being about women in organisation. It should be we should be just inclusive as an industry around all kinds of genders, disabilities, personality types. So I think there's a lot of work to do. But I think it does depend on the age profile of an organisation in terms of how organisations think about women. And certainly in my experience within the packaging industry, it's very male dominated. It's a, a very aged workforce at a senior level. There's a lot of work to do. But I think the more we can demonstrate the, the value that women add, I think the better it will, will become. Great, thanks. What about you, Jackie? Can you remember the question? Yeah, so I think, Carol, you were talking about, you know, has it changed and yeah. what can we do to, to, to improve it even further? Um, it's changed immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to say I dye my hair. I don't. It's, it's this, it's, it is actually this white. Um, so I remember um, my first job um, as a graduate trainee with Tesco back in the 80s. So it was some time ago. Um, I remember being told that I should wear long sleeves. I should wear American tan tights, um, that my uh, red lipstick was probably a little bit too bright. Um, well, here I am now. I'm wearing my David Bowie T-shirt. Yeah, I've got my cardio on because I'm cold. So it has, it, it, it's, it's changed immensely from that perspective. And, you know, we, we don't see some of the um, behaviour that we hated back in the 80s and 90s now in the workplace, thank goodness. I think uh, a lot of that is about education, finding allies and, and women being confident back to the point you made, Carol, and, and, and willing to stand up and say when something is, is not appropriate. How does it need to change? Um, I think the thing that concerns me the most is around the development, development of women into um, careers such as managing directors, chief executives, and also overall career development for women into leadership roles. Um, quite often you find that development around leadership um, comes in when women are tending to enter their late 20s and early 30s. And that can be, if, if a woman has, has chosen to um, have children, kind of prime time for, for kids to come along. Um, so I think we need to think very hard as, as women ourselves about how we get the exposure we need if we are going to have children at the right time and it doesn't hold us back. And I'll be very um, open with everybody. I think I left it a bit too late. So I have a lovely career. I enjoy my job. Um, but I sometimes think I could have done a few things a little bit earlier if I thought about my leadership development earlier. Um, also, I mean, back in my day, there was a tendency for women to go into more, I would, I would say, caring types of um, jobs. And I think human resources was kind of a natural place for women to to go into, which I'm indeed in now. But again, I adore, I wouldn't change that decision. But you're less likely to see people with my type of CV go into a managing director role or a chief executive officer role. Um, You're more likely to see women going into those positions. And we do have examples, I'm pleased in our business, of of women who are in those types of positions um, who have come through a P&L route. Um, I I would really like to put that in the heads of of, of younger women. Get 
if, if you have an ambition or you want to have an ambition, get it a little bit earlier and start start demanding it earlier in terms of, of your development opportunities. Yeah, I think um, two great answers there, everybody. I think two great answers. And a couple of things I want to pick up on. Something um, something that's massively, uh, you know, I massively quoted it to you over the time I've worked with the organisation, that at the end of 2019, early 2020, the Harvard Business Review published a huge piece of research about leadership skills for the 2020s. And there were 19 key leadership skills and women outscore men on 17 of them. And yet... Who has all the jobs, you know, who has all the big leadership jobs? Not all of them, but a lot of them. And so, first of all, where is the disconnect, which is what Jackie is saying? We need perhaps to wake up to it earlier. Where is the disconnect between having this fab skill set that's perfect and making it? Now, Jackie also just said there that people who come more from the HR route But you know what people in HR know? People in HR know most facets of the business. They have a very wide and generalist range of of knowledge. They also are probably, not, not perhaps always, but probably more likely to be more in touch with their feeling and sensory skills than they are. I mean, a lot of HR can be very processed. I know that. So it's not always true, but they can. So actually, the skill set that they bring could get them to the very top. Now, there's something else that you've said that's also made me think of something. Um, Another piece of research in the Harvard Business Review about when women actually believe they can be leaders versus men. And men believe they can be leaders from their mid to late 20s. Women, sadly, it's in their 50s. So it's that point about how can you be a leader earlier? And we've got some here. So we've got a couple of examples of people who are leading big, leading big now, um, as I call it, leading big. And they are much younger. And I was heading big organisations in my 20s, in the early 80s. I've got no idea how it happened. Probably all those questions or they just wanted to keep me quiet and keep me busy. I don't know. But that was that was what I did. And then um, the other thing I wanted to say to you all, because it was something Joanne said about being, Joe said about being inclusive, and I quote this to you quite often. There's a great website called 1616personalities.com, and you can do, if you've never done one, a free personality test. And it is a brilliant personality test, considering mm-hmm. it's free. And it will give you so much insight to who you are how you could lead better because it's very focused on the sort of leader you could be. And it probably won't surprise you that my profile is as, as a campaigner. I mean, I'm a, I'm a change agent an enabler and a connector. Those are my strengths. And I'm a, I'm a campaigner. Find out who you are and see how it sits with you and see who is that person that lives within you. And are you using that? Um, I think, um sam could you put that could sit one six personalities.com could you put that in the chat because it's free and it will it will amaze you i do it with clients before i work with a client i get them to do it and they sort of come astounded to session number one okay next question and we're going to go olivia first and rebecca second for this one so what's your biggest difference how do you use it effectively and how has it helped to better understand and embrace the differences of others? Olivia. Okay. Um, so I think my biggest difference was 
um, not being from an agricultural background or farming background and then going deciding to go to university and do a degree in agriculture and I think when I explained that to my sixth form tutor I had to, I had to really explain what does agriculture mean what does what careers are there he kind of questioned I will say as a male but he kind of questioned what careers are there other than farming so for me going into that agricultural industry um, particularly my placement year not having any farming backgrounds, not understanding the food supply chain. Um, I did my placement with McDonald's and just having that outsider looking in approach to it and just saying what I saw and maybe providing some solutions that hadn't um, been thought of really just helped. And it was brilliant. I was really accepted and never felt any barriers, even with um, male kind of dominated um, people within that. It was just um, brilliant embracing that difference. I'm not saying it's easy, but I think just by saying things as they were and just saying the obvious, it, it was really, um, yeah, really good placement year. Then I think coming into retail, is, it is a slightly different dynamic. There is a more equal split between men and women. But again, just embracing that difference that I'm now a young mum. I'm 28. I've got a 19-month-old daughter. But exactly like Jackie said, it was my biggest fear when I found out I was pregnant was what's my career going to look like now? Um, how am I going to get to where I want to when I've got this career break? And I think MNS particularly been really supportive, but it's, it is hard. I think it's hard to understand. I've lost visibility within my business for 10 months and it's been really hard getting back into the business getting back into people's heads again okay this is what Olivia does this is her role this is what she can bring to the table and it's been a yeah it's been a hard 10 months of saying okay this is the value I bring this is the difference I bring this is the speciality and the expertise I bring to the business but I've had to work hard to get that visibility back post maternity leave um mm. and I think I completely echo what you say Carol I see my leadership potentially in 10 plus years time and recently I've had some coaching and the question's why? Why mm. do you see it that far ahead? Why what's blocking you from mm. doing it now? And what are those myths in my own head stopping me from being that leadership in two years' time, three years' time? Now, what's stopping me? Um and I think that's what it has been really important for me at the minute, understanding what makes me me, why am I special, why am I different, why can I be a leader? sooner than 10 plus years time yeah well would you mind sharing any of the reasons why you didn't think you could be a leader because I bet there's lots of people who are thinking this themselves yeah so I think the biggest block for me is time I just don't I work four days a week at the minute um I I choose to have that Friday um, with my daughter and I feel that I just can't fit in anymore in my time to kind of do the courses the learning um but I can. It's just making sure I'm more effective with my time, putting more, I think, for me, strategic planning in place, getting that stakeholder map in place, um, utilising my time better within those four days to make sure I'm prioritising my personal development as well as my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been a bit of a game changer since I've only been working on it since January, but even just being more strategic in my planet, making more time for myself rather than feeling being good to everyone else, being the mum, being a good partner, running mm-hmm. the household, being good at my job. Actually, I've got to fill my own cup. 
and that's what I was missing in the first mm. uh, probably nine months of back in my role. I was doing everything for everyone else and probably burnt yeah. out actually. Quite no, that's up. a women thing. That's that yeah. is such a women thing. But what one another thing I wanted to say to you, in case anyone wants to ask any questions about this, and if you are, I think if you put questions in, maybe Olivia would kindly answer them. I've done a lot of work coaching women at Amazon. And the issue of having the family, having the child is huge with women in Amazon because it's a very fast moving environment. And, you know, 10 months in Amazon is probably 15 years anywhere else, it feels like. So if anyone's got any questions, I'd encourage you. Rebecca, can you remember the question after all this? Yeah, I think so. It was um, about the differences. Yeah. So um, I think for myself, probably one of the differences maybe that I bring is um, that I'm not afraid of a challenge. So I tend to kind of take challenges on. Um, and I'm not sure if that comes from my background. Um, and I studied um, a master's in Lean Six Sigma. And obviously that's all about problem solving. So mm-hmm. kind of every, not hurdle, but every opportunity that I've been faced with, I've taken it as an opportunity and as a challenge and, and taken that face on. Um, I think that's maybe a difference that I bring to the table in comparison to some other individuals who maybe wouldn't take that approach. Um, and, you know, I like to take that and help people as well to encourage them to, you know, not be afraid of a challenge. And, you know, it might not always go the way that you initially planned, but there's still an outcome and a learning from it. And I think that's probably an important message to take. You know, um, there's always something to learn from from it. Where do you think your fearlessness came from? I wouldn't say fearlessness now, Cara. Well, you know you want to take the challenge and step braveness, boldness. Okay, um, forget fearless, brave. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe the, I, I suppose, the ambition to make a change, um, you know, be that small or large. Um, yeah. I think that's maybe where it came from, yeah. So having a bit of a purpose and a mission and knowing you yeah. can do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm this year. I'm going to write my first book. I've been with a book coach. Apparently, we've all got twenty books in us. So this is only my first one, and it'll be shit. And about number six will be good by the sound of it. But my book is going to be called one that I think Rebecca might write. What's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the guide. What is it? The definitive guide to being a female entrepreneur. Because mm. I've been an entrepreneur, I've been, and, and those of you in organisations, you probably are as well. And I've realised this is my sweet spot, as well as being a maverick, which is my personal brand. But it's about that. So, what's the worst that can happen? Now, I bet anyone in this call, on this call, who's ever had a senior job, has the what's the worst can happen moment because we have to make decisions. And as mm. long as we're not going to kill someone and kill ourselves and bankrupt the business in one decision then everything else is on usually for me. Um, right, now then, because I'm different, and this is about the power of embracing differences, you may remember at the start, I said I'd let everyone introduce themselves. Well, I've just realised they haven't. So would Jackie like to introduce herself to everybody, for those who don't know her, followed by Joe, followed by Rebecca, followed by Olivia? Sure, Carol. Um, first off, um, thank you to Meet Business Women for um, asking me along to this session. Um, I'm already really enjoying myself. Time's going by really quickly. Um, I'm the Chief People and Culture Officer for um, Hilton Foods, which is an international food manufacturing business turning over about four billion in a number of different countries and um, continents. I've been in the role now for, for six years. Um, absolutely adore the business, and it's my first move into um, food manufacturing. 
Um, my career is a human resources one, and I've had experience um, within um, banking, insurance, and um, also retail and other manufacturers um, too. Um, I did have a bit of an entree into the world of meat in that my lovely father was a butcher who ran his own um, business and we had a, a little abattoir at the end of the garden, I like to say. So um, I did have some affinity before I joined, but absolutely adore working for this company. Great. Thank you, Joe. Good morning. Um, thanks, Carol. Um, I'm Joe Ormrod. Um, I'm the business unit president for um, an organisation called Caveris. So for those of you that don't know, Caveris is a packaging company um, that supply mostly food packaging. We operate from about six countries and employ about four and a half thousand people. I've worked for the organisation for just over 23 years um, and have really witnessed that transition from being a, an owner-managed business to the global business we are today. Um, I've worn a lot of hats in Caveras. I've done the commercial manager role. I've promoted to main board. I've done a sales director role. My biggest career opportunity presented itself last year when I was asked to be the business unit president and take over <clears throat> all of the UK. That was a, a huge move for me personally, one that I had many sleepless nights over. And my initial reaction was, no, I can't do that job. And the reason I couldn't do the job is because I couldn't do everything on the job description. And something that I relate to when Carol talks is I took the job on primarily because I found out all the other five applicants were men much older than me. And I just thought, I can't work for you because I know more than you. So I'm going to take this job on. And actually, back to Carol's point, what is the worst that can happen? I'll either sink or I'll swim. Thankfully, I'm swimming and I hope I'm swimming well. Um, and it's all about confidence. It, it really is about have the confidence in your ability. Ask lots of questions. Um, I discovered early on in my career that the, the boardroom is a lonely place. There's not many women in there. But thankfully, that is changing and as a packaging industry, we have a lot to do around um, encouraging a more diverse workforce because we are very male dominated. But thankfully, I'm really pleased that from a Caveras position, um, I, I always start a meeting by counting how many women there are in the room. Mm. And we've gone from less than one in 10 to more than one in 10. So, so I'm thankful for that. So I'm really enjoying the discussion. I just wish this was going to last more than an hour. Yeah. I, I have suggested, to be honest, to the girls when we were prepping that we do a bigger event around this. Yeah. Because I think there's such good stuff. But, you know, it, but there's, isn't that the thing about continuous improvement, adaptability? I mean, I've been adaptable already by being stupid and forgetting to get you to introduce yourself. But I'm <laughs> stupid. So what? Rebecca. Thanks, Carol. Um, yeah, so I'm Rebecca Gilligan and I'm head of project management for ABP Ireland and Poland. So we have seven sites in Ireland um, and three sites in Poland. Um, and at ABP, I look after ensuring that all our projects are aligned to our strategic objectives and then also worked at embedding a CI culture um, in the organisation. Um, and I started out my career journey as a veterinary nurse before um, moving into the beef industry. So a little bit of a different avenue. <laughs> And maybe not one that I had have initially um, predicted. Um, I'm also I'm a Gen Z female, so working in the beef industry um, with a passion to kind of beef up that female talent um, in every role across our business and the industry as a whole. And you know, one of the projects that I have worked on within that is launching our initiative ABP She, um, and done a lot of work around that. So I actually 
it, you know, we're working with Meet Business Women through that. And last year I became a member of Meet Business Women and then that moved on then in October of last year to win the One to Watch Award alongside the panelist Olivia. So that was a fantastic opportunity. Um, and then through that winning that award, I have made the decision to make an investment into my own personal development. Um, and I've just recently embarked on a women's leadership course in DCU. Um, and I just look forward to see what lies ahead. Brilliant. And you, Olivia? Yeah, so I'm Olivia and I um, work for Marks Spencer as an agricultural manager looking after pork, eggs and game. Um, so we look after, we have about over 8,000 farms across the UK and um, some in Europe as well. Um, so I kind of look after the welfare, sustainability um, of those farms, um, work really closely with our suppliers and also kind of NGOs that, that we work kind of in partnership with. Um my role, um, I did some of the role before at Co-op as well. Um, I was there for four years. Um, started there as a junior agricultural manager straight out of um, university. So for me, coming out of uni, um, doing that degree in agriculture and doing my degree with McDon- um, placement with McDonald's, it really just opened my eyes up to that kind of um, impact that I can make at a retail level, having that insight from farm to fork, working with every aspect of the food chain, work with that consumer to know what they want to then deliver a secure, safe food supply chain for that um, future generation. I think that's my passion, especially if now having raising my daughter. I just want to make sure that food is secure and safe for her in the future. And I think that's just a really powerful kind of place to be in, particularly as a woman. Like we feed our children. We make those decisions at that shelf when we buy our food. We make those purchasing decisions um, and I think it's just really important that consumers know where our food is coming from and how mm. it's farmed. Um, mm. Again, brilliant that I was able to win the Meat Business Women Award with Rebecca this year. Um, my personal development hopefully will be in a master's degree um, looking at food security and food sustainability, um, which again, it will just help empower me in my role within Marks and Spencers to give as much uh, information to those decision makers about how we source our food, how we make it secure for the future. Um, yeah, just really excited to be part of Meat Business Women, I think, as well. I I was, I think Jackie mentioned it earlier. When I was younger, I didn't really see younger, when it was like a few years ago, I didn't really see the benefit of being part of it. And that sounds a bit odd to say, maybe on this um, panel, but I didn't see any barriers to being a female in this industry. But, but having had Rosie and coming back into this industry it is so important to have that support network around you um, no matter uh, how many times you're in charge I just think having like-minded people around you to support you through those kind of challenging times and the good times is brilliant so yeah thank you for having me today well I think that's been part of super illuminating actually I'm glad I left it till halfway through because you've all warmed up a bit now and that was um, a little bit better I'll be very quick because I want to tell you a little bit about me because there's some things that you've all said that I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I went into retail and I was telling Jackie today she's wearing her David Bowie T-shirt. Well, my first date with my husband 40 years ago was seeing David Bowie live and I've been married for 38 years. So for those of you who didn't see David Bowie live on your first date, sorry, but it was amazing. Um, but I was in I went into retail from college. I had a very strange life, grew up in the Isle of Man, went to college in the UK, went into retail very early on. And it was doing this. 
And I worked for Littlewoods originally, who were a meteoric retailer when I worked for them, whereas sadly they don't exist anymore. Then I went to Halfords, had a weird career in Halfords. I was stock control and distribution guru. Um, and when I was 26, I headed it for the whole of Halfords. 26? How the hell did that happen? What's the worst that could happen? And, and I never thought I couldn't. And that is part of my mindset that I was brought up with. Not to think, well, you could, of course you can be anything you want. No, I never thought I couldn't. And then to go back to something Joe said before, when I was about 29, the head of buying role for the whole of Halfords came up and I didn't apply for it. And the chief exec of Halfords and our parent company, Burma Castrol, came to see me and said, why have you not applied to be head of buying? And I'm like, buying? I don't do buying. I've never done buying. I do stock control and distribution and I love it. And they said, you're very, but you're very creative. I said, no, I'm not. So I had personality testing and I've already adv advised you all about 16 personalities. They said, if you have personality testing and it shows that you're creative, will you apply? And I'm like, where do I do this test? Because let's get it out of the way and I can get on with running stock control and distribution. And when I got the test back, the first line said, um, this is my maiden name. Miss Roskams is highly creative. And I thought, oh, shit, I'm going to have to apply for this job now. And um, every single person who, who worked for me applied for the job and they were all men and they were all older, Joe. But in my case, I thought they could all do the job and I couldn't. But someone else thought I could and they were both men and I got it. And my career has been very varying and, and you know, that, that it, it irrele it's irrelevant what my career has been because it's been my career. But what was common in what we've just heard from our, our uh, chat show panellists is to know yourself. Know yeah. yourself and know who you are, who you are and what you stand for. And, you know, I have some questions on personal brand. We probably won't get to them, but it doesn't matter that know yourself. So if you don't know yourself well or you haven't lifted the corner on it, do that online test. Number two, the impact. What is your mission? What is your purpose? And it doesn't matter what it is, but what it does do is it helps you make better decisions about where you're headed. So in my case, it's to learn as much as I can possibly learn. So I'm doing, even today, doing loads of things to learn and grow and develop. And I'm trying to change the education system in the Isle of Man at the moment, almost single-handedly, never had a, um, a child. But you know what? We're making progress. I'm making progress because I found a tribe of people to help me. And we've heard about the tribe. Find the people who believe what you believe and there's no competitiveness and it, it, it's just about moving forwards. And then the final thing, which we've heard from everyone today, is personal development. Make sure that you invest in growing, because sometimes we work for employers who don't invest in our growth. I've worked for incredible entrepreneurs, and the last thing they think about usually is developing their people because they're too busy out there with what we want to develop and where it needs to go. So invest in yourself a bit for that. Right. Let's try and get some more questions in while we're going. Um, there was a question that I'm not going to ask, but it was what has kept you motivated to drive forward. And I was going to ask Joe and Jackie that, but actually I think they've demonstrated that one. Um, what skills or qualities um, are especially important to females in male orientated industries? We've heard all about that. One of the things I added to that is how can you nail your personal brand? So starting with Rebecca and then Olivia, Joe and Jackie, let's just have a quick answer to that question. Mm -hmm. 
How have you nailed your personal brand and what benefit can it give to others? Rebecca? Um, I think this is just a journey, you know, that I've recently started on and looked at, Carol. So I'm quite new to that. Good. So I might have a different take on it now Good. to Jackie and Joe. But for me, it was just starting with, you know, thinking about the simple things of, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And what do I actually value? And yeah. for me, what my values were, and when I had a coaching session, I didn't really, you know, what I thought were values and what they described to me, mm. what were values were two completely different things. And, you know, I've realigned my values to what makes me happy and um, what I get enjoyment out of, what mm. gives me thrill. And they're slightly different to what I have, would have originally thought. So I've just started out in this journey and that's kind of where I am at this point, if that makes sense. It um, makes a lot of sense. And the other important part about that is values about about what make you feel things I think I think there are things that we think about but I don't think they're always they can be like organizational values perhaps but what we feel what we feel um want I want to have more joy in my life right that is probably not a value you might have had before and it might not be your value now but it's a flipping great value to have um Olivia what about you um I think I had probably a brand before and then I probably came back after and lost it a bit and I've kind of redeveloped it so it's an evolving one and it still is very much evolving but I think for me it's just being true to yourself keeping those even before I had Rosie I think I had those values they were probably a bit hidden once I back to work but I found them again they've not changed those core values haven't yeah. changed it's yeah. just how I showcase them now I think and how I stick to them stick true to them yeah. um and I think the biggest thing is that food security. I, I'm an empathetic person. I love social connection. Yeah. How do I keep to that um, whilst everything else is quite busy in life? But um, it's always evolving. I think it changes dramatically when you've had children. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean your core values change at all. Yeah. No, but but we all. But that's part of development. Life, everything yeah. that life Evol- throws us or the joy life brings us takes us forwards, doesn't it? So um, you mentioned something that's very dear to me. My I use a lot of quotes and have used a lot of quotes, but one quote has stayed with me my entire life and it's totally values based. I love literature. It's from Hamlet to thine own self be true. And you've just said that. And Mm -hmm. if people are feeling discomfort between what they're doing and what they're being asked to do or what they're trying to do and it doesn't feel right, ask yourself, am I being really true to the person inside me and all those feelings and everything that makes me, you know, makes me who I am? What about you, Jo? Um, I mean, I think my values have been reasonably consistent all throughout my career, really. And, yeah. and that's really about being consistent, being fair, making sure that the colleagues that work around you, we get that true work-life balance. We have fun. Um, I think now I've progressed into this much bigger role. I really work on the principles and and, and my team will say to you is I don't want any surprises. We work on this principle of no surprises, good or bad, we'll deal with it. And my motto is nobody's died, we'll deal with it. And, you know, if if you ask the team at work, they'd say we have fun, we do work hard, but we do work on that principle of let's not have any surprises for the company or for each other. And let's just be consistent and true to ourselves. And I've been fairly consistent on all of those values throughout the career. I think the no surprises piece is probably more relevant because we're we're all trading through such a turbulent times yeah. at the moment. Um, yeah. And it's just how do we deal with them without yeah. panicking? 
you know, at the end of the day, nobody's died. What's the worst that can happen? And I think that keeps us quite stable as an organisation. And do you know what? The no surprises, it's never come up on anything I've done before. And I'm so glad that that has come up because someone asked me, how do you know you're a great leader of a team? And the answer I gave really recently was because there are no surprises. Um, I took over an IT team in a big retail business about eight years ago. I was supposed to be the caretaker and ended up having it for like six years. And they really didn't like me because this is one area where if you don't know about what, you know, everyone, surely, I don't know if we've got any, looking to have any IT people on this call, but um, IT people are like, you know, everyone hates them usually in a very fast moving organization. They don't set out to be hated, but they behave like people who are hated because everyone hates them. So why don't we behave like it? And then I took them over and thought, well, why don't I turn them into the most customer friendly department in the company? So no big challenge there. And I pretty much did it. But one of the things I had to instill in them is if anything is going wrong or not as you expect, I want to be the first to know about it. I don't want you to cover it up. I don't want it to be three hours and then we find a store can't trade. You know, I don't want any of that. And we did it. And that was the big change for them because they found they had a boss who gave them what was called top cover, you know, like in in flying in a plane, that the boss is actually knows everything and is making sure that the fallout, if there is fallout, is being well managed. So that is an immense answer, I think, in terms of that. And it's possibly one that most people on the call haven't heard before. Right, Jackie, what about you? Um, I think the panel's um, dealt with um, the, the question really well. I, I think my, my builds in terms of when you're looking at developing your, your personal brand will be to go out there and seek feedback. I've got a lot out of asking others about how do I come across, what do they value about me, if I should turn the volume down on something, what, what what's their view. So I think getting that feedback is, is incredibly valuable throughout your career. And just a very quick story. Um, when I had my son and I got back to work, I was working at a, in a big investment bank, um, very international, very hard, um, hard working and hard playing. And my son was um, having childcare with a nanny. My husband was working. And, you know, I felt as though I couldn't do the networking. I couldn't go to the wine bar after work as I used to because I needed to get home. I didn't have time to go and do the coffee um, at 11 o'clock with somebody because I had work to do and it was really interesting because we did um 360 degree feedback which which was really helpful and suddenly i got this 360 degree feedback when i'd been back um, for six months that said yeah she's not networking she's not a team player anymore etc and what it said to me was actually that was my miss because i was working with a group of people i was the first parent um in this group of people that I was working with and I haven't made it clear about this is what's changed for me. Mm. So this is how you will see me being behaving differently. Yeah. So I can't blame people for saying, no, you're not a team player anymore. You know, yeah. how did yeah. I, I didn't recontract with them. So yeah. for me, that, that feedback and taking people with you on your journey. And I heard that when Rebecca and Olivia was, were talking, you know, you do change. Yeah. Very you have different life experiences. You're going to change your brand. Your brand will change in certain ways, um, you know, as, as you live your life. So that constant feedback coming in, coaches, mentors, absolutely, I'd underline the importance of them in, in kind of helping you develop and maintain your brand. I think um, 
two things there. One is a quote I use often from Jeff Bezos. Your brand is what people say when you're not in the room. And so seeking feedback, seeking feedback gets you some of that. And I, I, I often ask clients, firstly, I ask them to ask friends. And then when they're braver, I ask them to ask people that aren't friends. They're not enemies, but they're not friends. Um, and people are quite often surprised by what other people are saying because we set our own priorities. So I've, I'm always authentic, open Carol. And I've often said to teams, oh, I've really not slept well last night. I, you know, I had a really whatever... I, I just don't feel at my best. I'm going in the office and I'm not coming out. But if the place starts to burn down, give me a shout. And, you know, that scares them sometimes when they don't know you very well. That scares the people who work for you. But I think it's really important. And I want to tell you about something that is literally the word change is very important in the context. Fifteen years ago, I had the menopause and it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. And I had to give up a chief executive job because I was struggling so much with it. And there was no leeway around it because it was 15 years ago. Um, this is something, and I kept explaining to people what was happening and they were like, we don't want to know. We really don't want to know. Today, there's much more openness and understanding around that issue. It was a huge thing for me um, because it felt like a big failure. And yet now I think about it quite differently, but I didn't at the time because I was inconsistent with myself and I was behaving out of character and people were scared to tell me, which was worse, even though I knew I was really struggling. So I want to encourage you all, if there's some of that going on, think about how you can help the person who's struggling, who don't, doesn't even know they're struggling, because they don't, because we are living in your head and you've got issues and you've gone back to work with a child and you've got to juggle more things and you don't really know and whatever. But this is where the great superpowers of women win the soft skills, which I hate the word, the superpowers of women in empathy and rapport and relationship building are so, so important because we are a team. No matter what our job is, our boss is in our team. The people three departments away are in our team because we're working for an organization with a common purpose. A very quick last question then, because I talked about, and um, Joe covered it quite well earlier, but how can we make more inclusive environments across everything? So we've, we've done pretty well at women, not as well as we could have done yet, but we've done pretty well. How can we open the door for people with different personalities? Someone asked about being an introvert. I have to say, by the way, the greatest chief executive I have ever worked for was an introvert. And I love working with introverts. In fact, I positively seek them out because if I worked with someone like me, I'd kill them probably. Um, neurodiversity is huge. Here's a fantastic thing for learning if you want to watch it. For any of you who've got Netflix, I have watched this week something called The Playlist. I don't know if anybody's watched it. It's on Netflix. It's about the building of Spotify Jesus, it's one of the most amazing studies of disruption and how to be agile and adaptable in business I've ever seen. And it's a fact, apart from the ending, don't blame me for the ending, because my husband and I were like, what? Um, what gender and ability or disability? So a quick one minute each on that. And then I think we might be at the end. So who would like to start on that? Olivia, you start on the whole subject of how can we be more inclusive in the world we live in? Yeah, I think for me, it's about being open and honest and having those conversations. And I think also feedback. I think asking different people from different areas what they would like to see. How can we make it more accessible for them? I think sometimes we assume what needs to be done or 
we assume yeah. how we can make yeah. things better actually asking people how can we make it better what works for them how can it be more open for them and just having that honest conversation and dropping any ego that we think we might know best or we might know what's yeah. right actually opening up the conversation asking them and Always. putting steps in place quickly not leaving over time i think having that conversation acting on it quite quickly is key as well i think some conversations we've had where um even just for new mothers you have the conversation and there's a time like you think oh right that's not going to happen i think yeah mm. acting in place and having that brilliant rebecca yeah, I think I'd echo there what Olivia says, you know, starting the conversation is so important, but I think following through with actions afterwards is probably key. Um, and, you know, for me, just on this topic, I was listening to a podcast recently, which was really interesting. Um, and Margaret Slattery, who's the global head of diversity, inclusion and belonging at ISS, kind of explained it to me quite well and how I looked at this. It was you know, that we've looked at, um, and when we talk about gender balance, we've looked at this idea of binary, but it's probably no longer binary and how we look at that non-binary world, the opportunity to go wider for different um, different minor- minority groups and giving everybody the equal opportunity to have an equal outcome, if that makes sense. Um, and I just kind of thought it tied in nicely with this International Women's Day and Embrace yeah. and Equity. And it was like that. It was just the start of me listening to that was for me a start of the conversation um and i think that was yeah that that really just ticked it with me and i think it's very important for younger women leaders in any industries and organization to take the lead on this because Mm -hmm. people i'm i'm you know i run my own business these days but people like me have to unlearn and relearn to learn what you do instinctively um Mm -hmm. and therefore push for it keep pushing and keep pushing because sometimes we don't think automatically the way that you do, and your view is the right one for today. So it helps older leaders get better as well. Um, Joe, you're a big boss. So how have you approached this in terms of being a president? Well, thinking about what you just said about unlearn and relearn, we've actually brought in external help. External help. So we brought in a, um, an agency to help us with this subject because... You don't know what you don't know. And it was absolutely enlightening in terms of how the world's moved on, particularly around social media and how you reach out to a a wider, diverse group of people. So for us, it's really now about how do we practically think about that? So that's around how do you write your job descriptions? So we take, you know, we're, we're all in a jargon world. I would imagine most people sat on this call. So how do you make the job description simple and easy to understand? Mm. And then also what's equally as important, how do you take your colleagues through um, unbiased thinking? So we've set up a training mm. program now for unconscious bias because yeah. we're all guilty of it and you don't know until it's deliberately pointed out. So they're just a couple of practical things that we're doing, but then just, you know, walk the talk. So demonstrate through your social media platforms that we we are diverse as an organisation, but we've got much more to do. But it does link it links back to this becoming conscious, unconscious bias in terms of the way that you recruit. Exactly. And particularly and the unconscious bias goes with a lot of older people, I I, I find. I'm not saying definitely, but I'm an older person and can say it. I coach and mentor youngsters and I get them to call me out if they catch me doing anything that I'm not even aware of. Because I've got, you know, I've got unconsciousness going on. Um, Jackie, you're going to have sort of the last word here. So Uh, I think everyone's put it very well. I think there's there's three key things. First, you need to raise awareness. Um, Obviously, it's the moral morally the right thing to do to be inclusive but actually from a business perspective we know 
successful businesses where they have true inclusion and more innovative mm. and they make more profits for themselves for, for their employees and, and, and their shareholders so I think we need to kind of really make that moral case but also that business case so so really raise awareness um, the other big point is listening which Olivia was spot on I think around that is listening to people who are walking in those shoes when we developed our diversity inclusion strategy I looked at a lot of white women who were um in their 50s 60s talk about it and we said this is crazy yeah. go out let's kind of take a poll um listen to our people understand what this means for them and what their needs are what they need to see and from that we also developed um, the way that we want to behave in the business interesting mm-hmm. enough we um polled over 100 people of different ages different ethnicities different geocultures and they more or less came up with the same thing in terms of what, what they wanted as behaviours, which was interesting. But the great thing was we, we asked that question. And the biggest thing, and going back to what Rebecca said, is sustain it. So it's no good going out recruiting people who look different if you don't have the supportive environment for them when they join your business because they'll only leave. So going back to what we talked about at the beginning, the buddies, the mentors, the network, the support, all of that kind of thing. So three work, three really raise awareness, listen and sustain it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. great. Um, now, just one thing for everybody on the call. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for, um, you know, staying through. Would you just put a thumbs up in the chat if you would like another session um, like in this format? around this topic or similar topics let's just see how many of you think it would you know you've enjoyed it today and it's been useful and could we do something more like this in the future meet business women is the global professional network for women working across the meat industry our mission is to connect women working in every role driving positive change and providing a support network like no other visit meetbusinesswomen.org to find out more